Welcome to Well Balanced Life, where Gracie and I talk autism and more. Uh, today's episode is actually on the first week back to school. So whether your child has special needs or not, um, I definitely think that this would be a good episode for you to listen to. That goes for parents, caregivers, and school staff. This can be an extremely stressful and challenging time, not only for your child, but for you as well. Because as a parent or caregiver, we're trying to help navigate the situation, keep them grounded and as calm as we possibly can, but there are just way too many unknowns prior to starting school. And even if they are familiar with the school and the staff, that can still be really challenging for them because we can tell them over and over again that you know the school, you've been in most of the classrooms, you know the teachers. They they still don't believe it. (laughs) They're still concerned that something's going to change and be a little bit different, so it's not an easy time. First week of school can basically go one of two ways. There's the honeymoon period where they seem to manage very well and maybe even have the school questioning if they need as much support as they currently have allotted to them or all of their symptoms have increased because of new changes that they're having to face. Or maybe actually there's a third possibility as well, where your child is so anxious leading up to school, but once they get there, they meet their teachers and classmates, learn the rules and expectations and routine, they're good to go. And I'm pretty sure that Gracie falls into that category, uh, but she'll have to attend a new class each day and start a new co-op in the second week, so... I anticipate she's going to be super anxious for at least two weeks until she has been to every single class at least once in her co-op placement. So if your child tends to do well the first week or second and either explodes when they get home or maybe they struggle at school by being more defiant or refuse to do the schoolwork, especially after the honeymoon stage is over, or if they have symptoms um, of anxiety and aggression, refusal, self-harm, or they're just anxious until they get things figured out, this is the podcast for you. The first thing I'd like to suggest is that since they're experiencing a lot of unknowns, like there's new people, new environments, they might feel like they've lost complete control. And that can be extremely terrifying for our kids. So it's important we provide them with a sense of control, and there's a few ways that we can do this, both at home and at school. So as parents or caregivers, we can offer them a visual schedule by keeping their routine the same and, if possible, include something fun throughout the week. By keeping their morning routine the same every morning before school and keeping their afternoon or nighttime routine the exact same after school and also providing this visually, we can ease a lot of stress. So for example, the morning routine could look something like We've got wake-up time, make bed, get dressed, eat breakfast, wash face, brush teeth, pack school bag, catch the bus, or drive to school, for example. And then the after-school schedule could be something like empty lunch bag, get a snack, quiet time with quiet activity, and that can totally include video games, Um, but you might want to use a timer and put the time on the visual schedule too, just to help with that transition if your child has a hard time getting off of them. It could say, uh, make lunch for the next day, pick out clothes for next day, eat dinner, clean up dinner, homework, free time or special activity, shower or bath, snack, story time or read if the child's older, brush teeth, and lights out. So keeping that routine the exact same in the morning and the exact same at night can help them feel safe and in control of their lives in times of stress. Consistent routines are important. I know it's not always feasible, it's not always easy. We certainly struggle with that. 
but if you can just keep certain things the exact same, I mean, every day our kids need to brush their teeth, right? They need to have a shower or have a bath or put their pajamas on, go to sleep. So there's certain things that we do every day that we have to do. There's, there's just no way that we're going to get around it. So if you can put that in a schedule that works best for your family, that can really help ease some of the lack of control that our kids are feeling throughout all these unknowns heading back to school. If your child is a lot like our daughter, Grace, um, you might have to change things up a bit here and there so they don't get too stuck in a routine. But for the first two to three weeks of school, there shouldn't be any harm in keeping as tight a schedule as you possibly can. But I know for Gracie, if we were to do something every single day the same and all of a sudden, um, unexpectedly, something had to change, she would have a full-blown meltdown. So it was important for us to stick in some changes here and there. and I've mentioned in past uh, past podcasts or maybe the blog about using like change of plans card. And so it's just a, a little card that says it's had a picture of a star on it and said change of plans. And in that there would be um, a little bag that I would give her with the card that had like a little activity of a character that she loved in it or even a sucker or a piece of gum, something that she could it would get her mind off of it so it wouldn't go to like instant anger. The second thing that I'd suggest is just as parents, it's important to remind yourself to pack your patience. (laughs) Your child likely has tried so hard to keep their worries and fears and frustrations contained all day with new environments and people, sensory experiences, misunderstandings, crowds, new routines at school. They may let all of those emotions out when they get home. So if we can be there for them in our calmest way, providing a safe space Um, providing an area for their sensory needs and just an outlet, we'll be more prepared and calm if we take some time on our way home from work or before meeting them at the bus just to remind ourselves to expect potential meltdowns. I'm not saying always look to the worst or expect the worst, but if we just remind ourselves of how our child usually reacts to things, that can help. I find when we're just living in the moment, it can become extremely overwhelming and we end up being in this reactive stage instead of being proactive and thinking ahead of time. So even taking five minutes to just breathe or whatever it is you do to help in stressful situations might help you, which in turn will help your child. So creating a safe space. It doesn't need to be a big space, but if there's somewhere either in your home or in your yard where you can set it up so that your child has a place to let all these emotions out if they need to, it could be, you know, calming lights with calming music, a rocking chair, cozy chairs and pillows to sit on, a swing, deep pressure opportunities, even throwing or crashing objects, like something where they can throw bean bags at something or a plastic ball on a target. Um, you know, with Gracie, we just used her mattress and we would put her un- between her mattress and her box spring to give her the deep pressure that she needed. Hugs also work, but we can't sit and hug her for 20 minutes at a time. And that's a whole other story, but Gracie gets very um, obsessed with that and she'll want you to hug her all the time. So going between the mattress and the box spring, she had the deep pressure of the heavy mattress on top of her with us standing right there to make sure that she was safe and to lift it up as soon as she wanted to be out of it. Um, So please don't leave your child unattended if you're doing that, but that's helped her rolling uh, peanut butter jars, the big (laughs) 
the big heavy peanut butter jars if they're full or even a rolling pin can help. Um, you know, whatever has helped your child in the past can be very helpful now. So next, it's important that the school, the teacher, the EAs know your child's strengths, their needs, their triggers and calming strategies. If they don't already know this, I would schedule a meeting as soon as possible. But at the very least, you can send even point form notes on a sheet of paper that has a bit about your child and how they can help your child be as successful as possible. So if your child is in high school, even having like four cue cards with this info on it would be really helpful because they can discreetly hand the cue card to each new teacher. Typically in high school, you've got four blocks of classes, so they can discreetly hand that to their teacher. Um, and keeping like a few copies as well would be handy in their backpack because as we know, often there are supply teachers who don't know our children at all. So if they can just hand an information about themselves and it needs to be something that's quick and easy for them to read that really um, at least gives them like what their triggers are, what their strengths are and what their common calming strategies are. If you can do that in a quick write up, that will really, really help the staff, especially if they don't know your child. As for the school staff, Oftentimes, as EAs, we don't know who we're working with until the first day of school. So if we were lucky enough to know who we were working with, we could plan accordingly. But regardless of whether we know or not, going back to the basics is just something to remember and something to consider. Visual schedules with pictures and a whiteboard where you can write words down um, for the schedule, it gives you a quick choice of options because some students might need the pictures yet some might be too embarrassed or not need the visual picture at all. So if you've got two options already created at least of what the schedule is going to look like, then you can quickly have an option to choose from depending on who it is that you're working with. First Then offers a very clear picture of ex expectations. So a First Then board is literally just that. It's got one box with uh, the first activity you're going to do and a second box with the second activity. And we just say, you know, first carpet time, then snack time. And then that can switch to first snack time, then recess. You just switch the pictures out as you move along. Or if they're in high school, again, it can just be written on a piece of paper or a whiteboard. First history class, then 10 minutes break. And then that can switch to first 10 minute break, then music class and so on. And lastly, at least for today's episode, maybe consider transition bags for the many, many new transitions that our children can experience. This could be at home and at school. So medium-sized cloth bags from the dollar store work great for this. They're usually in the craft section and some even have like cloth bags with characters that your kids can color. So if they're able to go to the store with you and pick out their own bag for their transition bag, that would be exciting for them and more interesting for them to want to use. Um, you can also use mini backpacks or even better a fanny pack especially for older kids because that seems to be the style nowadays but fanny packs can be really handy transitioning from class to class or home to school wherever because it's attached to them and it's right there in front of them. So you can fill these bags with little fidget toys um, if using the transition bags at school you want to make sure that those fidget toys are quiet objects so that it doesn't disrupt the others but for home to school you can have a few more options that way. You can add even like small hard candy if your child's able to use those, little coloring pages or word searches if your child or student likes those, little characters or toy cars seem to be the most um, exciting that I've noticed my child and students have used. 
you don't really need many items, just a few to keep their interest, um, at least for a few minutes. So these bags can also help when the students are having to wait in line to get into the library or the gym. So typically what happens is other classes accidentally stay past their time and they still need to clean up after themselves. So when we unexpectedly have to wait in line to get into the gym or the library, this can be a really hard thing for our students um, to wait. So if they have a little fidget toy or their favorite character that they can stand with, um, and just hang out with and stim on or whatever it is that they do, this can really help keep them calm, which in turn keeps the rest of the class um, calm as well. So again, some of this, or maybe even all of it, is very, very familiar to you and your child or student, but going back to the basics can also be very, very comforting because it's something that they're familiar with. I also recognize it can make someone feel like they've regressed or we don't trust them to remember what they were taught in the past, but even if secretly, I would say they do like it and feel more secure with it. So using it for the whole class allows your student to have the benefits of it, but not feel centered out. So I'm just going to recap what I've shared today to help with this first week or two leading into school. And then you can adjust it as needed, right? So recap number one, visual schedule. Consistent morning, evening, and night routines with pictures or pictures and words or just words, whatever works best for your child or student. Number two, pack your patience. <laughs> Remind yourself and find your calm before seeing your child each morning and on the return to school. Uh, create a calming safe space in your home to decompress um, when they walk into the house. So that could be in their bedroom, it could be uh, a walk-in closet even, a corner in the living room, even under the kitchen table. If you can drape some sheets over the kitchen table and have some cushions underneath, you can be creative, right? Whatever works best for you and your family. Number four is more for the EAs and teachers at school. Using a visual, visual schedule and try to stick to it as best you can. If you need to change it, you can give the class a five minute warning and maybe offer them a game like Hangman or 7-Up before the change. Um, that can just kind of uh, switch things up a little bit and have them be excited for something and maybe not stress so much over that change. A preferred activity for your student with special needs um, that can be something that they really like but also something that they can participate in, right? Some of those games can be really hard for our kids so you want to make sure that it's individualized for the student that struggles um, the most in that area. The fifth thing would be the first then for the whole class. Again, back to the basics, even if we don't think they need it, but using the first then to clearly identify what we're doing or um, what we're going to start and what we will be doing next. Most kids with or without special needs like to know what's coming up. And I think even if we asked ourselves, uh, you know, if we go into a conference or a workshop, we for the most part, I would say we'd love to know exactly what it is that's going to come up. We definitely want to know what time we're having lunch. We definitely want to know what time our breaks are. And, um, and it's always nice to know what topics we'll be, we'll be discussing. So consider that for our kids too. And then again, lastly, transition bags for home and school. Use them at home to help them transition from home to school and school to home. Whether that's on the bus or in the car or walk to school and at school to help transition from outside into class or from class to class or class to the library or gym, something like that. But you want to make sure with the transition bags that you use them only during the transition period. So they know that they get this fanny pack or they get this bag only when they get in the car or only when they're going into the hallway to get from one place to the next.
So thanks again for listening. I hope some of these strategies help for you. I know I've mentioned them in the past, but again, they seem to be the ones that we keep coming back to year after year. And I know it's important to individualize things for all of our students. And I know it's important to learn about new things that can help. But honestly, going back to the basics is the one area that I find, at least for myself, I tend to forget about. And it's not until we're in the moment, in all this stress and possible meltdown, um, where I'm like, why didn't I think of that before? So this year I've tried to make sure that I'm going back to those basics to help. And you know what? I do get the odd comment from Gracie saying, mom, I don't need that. I'm, you know, 20 years old. I don't need a visual schedule. But that's about the old, <laughs> that's, that's about all she balks about. She says it once, but then I see her use it and I see her looking at it and she's not asking me a hundred times what's coming up next. So Anyway, I hope this helped you. I appreciate you listening, and Gracie should be back with me again next week. So we're wishing you all the best. We'll be thinking of you, and we will get through it. And it, yeah, it will hopefully be a little bit less stressful for your child this year. So good luck, everyone. And don't forget, you're not alone.